Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down, then get a touchdown, rock em. There is but one undefeated team in the National Football Conference, and it is the team we are here to talk about on another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN, joined by Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad of 1500 ESPN. We are here, of course, to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, who moved to 5-0 and today with a 31-13 win over the Houston Texans. They head into their bye week in first place. Atop the NFC and uh, heading into a big game against the Philadelphia Eagles on October 23rd. But first, another impressive performance for the Vikings defense holding Houston. I think it was 214 yards for the day and uh, I think holding them without a third down conversion until about five minutes left in the game. Sam Bradford again looked impressive, efficient, and uh, the Vikings get another punt return touchdown from Marcus Sherrill's. Two move to 5-0 and before the bye week. Uh, guys, what were your overall thoughts on, on today? I thought uh, in a long line of impressive performances here, this, this one certainly uh, stands out for its own reasons. Yeah, there are a lot of surprises in sports, but today was not one of them. I mean, we led up to this game thinking that we would be stunned if Brock Osweiler came here to U.S. Bank Stadium and played well against the defense that had shut down Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, and then Eli Manning to go along with him. And it seemed that Brock Osweiler was out of sorts from very early in the game, that he was allowed no rhythm, and he was given absolutely no help in the running game either. Lamar Miller's longest carry today, guys, four yards and it seemed like it was 14 nothing in an eye blink and then even playing from behind 
Brock Osweiler couldn't get anything going. And a lot of times we see those garbage time yards, you know, stacked up. Hey, look who threw for 300 on your fantasy team, even though they were playing from behind. But today that was not the case for Osweiler. And uh, Anthony Barr said after the game that his eyes were down on the pass rush the entire day and not looking down the field for his wide receivers. That was pretty obvious. So it it is, uh, I guess, a way to honor Dennis Green might be to say the Vikings were who we thought they were today and now 5-0 going into the bye week. This defense, uh, gentlemen, is fantastic. But if if we arrived in Mankato in late July and I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. Teddy Bridgewater is going to break his leg, basically, blow up his knee. Adrian Peterson is going to go out in in the first game here uh both tackles will be lost and oh by the way just for fun uh by game five stefan Diggs will be hurt you'd say okay they're in huge trouble as good as this defense is i give mike zimmer a ton of credit for the fact that this offense still continues to score points because there's some coaches who would be rolling their eyes by now right they'd be saying you can't you can't take all these guys and i can't win this way The efficiency, and it seems to be growing, of this offense and Bradford is incredibly impressive because guys keep going out and no one's saying a thing. I mean, Stefan Diggs on Friday, gentlemen, was doubtful. Old school Vikings, you'd be like, okay, that's a problem. Now, it doesn't get mentioned. It doesn't get mentioned. Yeah, Sam Bradford hit seven different receivers today. Adam Thielen, of course, was the leading receiver. You had Cordero Patterson in the mix, Jarius Wright coming back. Uh, Basically, I guess everybody but Laquan Treadwell that was healthy. And the other piece of it, despite all of the issues on the offensive line, which certainly was troublesome again today, I I think our stats and info people said Sam Bradford was only pressured on like 18% of his dropbacks, which you have to give a lot of credit to him in that, I think, in, in that. He was getting rid of the ball quickly enough. He knew where he wanted to go with the ball. And in a couple of cases, stood in there knowing he was going to get hit and uh, and threw a strike. So if if the defense is reason number one why the Vikings are undefeated, Sam Bradford, I think, has to be reason 1A. We started to ask in the middle of the week yes, whether we <laughs> uh, the Giants game was just a bad Giants defense, and that's why Sam Bradford played his best game. And Sam Bradford answered us today this was a very good pass defense with a great pass rush and good cornerbacks and good in the secondary and Sam Bradford ate them up and and I totally agree with you that from the eye test of watching that offensive line it was not good today at least at one specific position of left tackle where TJ Clemmings was getting eaten alive and I I do think that it's a credit to Sam Bradford that he was getting the ball out as fast as he was. And the other thing I said to Judd on the video that we shot for today, did you guys know that he could throw the deep ball like this? Because his deep ball is as dangerous as anybody in the league right now. And he dropped to Bradford. Know that I I, I think he probably did. He might be learning things about himself that he never knew before he got here. You know, as a uh, shout out to uh, one of your bros at ESPN, Casey Joyner had uh, joined me oddly enough, for a podcast uh, about an analytic number that he had about deep balls. And he had said that even throughout Bradford's career, he had shown some signs of it, but had never been allowed to really utilize it. And now 
He has done it week after week where he's completing deep passes, and he did it a couple times to Adam Thielen today. And all of a sudden, the guy who looked like he was going to be a semi-game manager is looking like he's a dangerous quarterback all over the field. Our stats and info people have Sam Bradford for the year on passes of 25 yards or longer. Six for eight, 206 yards and two touchdowns. He was 10 for 26 on those throws in 2015. So... Whether this is a fluke or whether he's turning a corner, I, I guess we have to probably wait and see. But with the the thing I do think, though, is this – I mean, for for all of the steps we thought Teddy Bridgewater was going to take, and there was evidence that the downfield passing game might have been one of them in terms of what he did in the preseason, but I don't know that they had the kind of downfield attack or would have had the kind of downfield attack that they have managed to, to cobble together with, at, with uh, Sam Bradford and a cast of thousands here. I would say, boys, this offense looks entirely different from what was drawn up in May, June, and July. And I'm dead serious. That was Peterson. Can Teddy take the next step? But I will give you, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, beneficiary number A1 through Z1, Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson does not have this success with Bridgewater based on this alone. Cordell Patterson had to run exact routes and had to be exactly where Teddy was told that he would be in order to use him. Sam Bradford now, Thielen, Patterson, is making throws to big, strong, tall guys and saying, go get the ball. Bridgewater didn't like, in my opinion, didn't like that approach because it could be dangerous and passes could be picked off. I think Bradford is making throws based on, I expect you to be here, but you're going to have to go get the ball, and I trust you can. And Patterson what? He's physical. He's incredibly strong. And and so I think in Patterson now being used and and used efficiently a lot, he is benefiting from the fact that he is a quarterback who has the arm strength and the gumption and veteran presence to make throws that Teddy Bridgewater on his best day as a young quarterback wouldn't be making. I really believe that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would tend to agree. And we talked about it, Matthew, in the middle of the week, how quickly we would be having the conversation of, which one of these two guys is a better fit for the the long-term future of the team. And I, I mean, we need to see a little bit more yet. And I, I think Not we much. need to see Not over the course much, of the Gessling. season. Hold on, Sports Grinch. Tone, tone down the temperature of the take just a little here. But we do need to, I think we need to see a few more weeks of this to, to make that determination. But at the same time, after about 12 games with Teddy Bridgewater in – 2014 you had a lot of people lining up to call him uh is he going to be a top 10 quarterback in year two is he going to be elite I mean all of these different things and now you sort of wonder is Sam Bradford going to be the guy over long term and uh, that's going to be certainly worth watching and it's certainly going to be an issue that that Tom got that Tom Condon Bradford's agent uh, probably tries to get the Vikings to consider in the not so distant future I think we've got the axe and then there's a box with that conversation in it and once we break the glass it's on and we're we're like staring at it and we've got the axe in our hands I don't think we're quite at breaking it yet I'd like because, to break it because it's five games but there are so many things that Sam Bradford is doing yeah. that I'm not sure I believed he could do on a consistent basis. One of them is his decision-making has been pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, going back and not just watching here, but going back and watching on tape, and how many times have you said, oh, man, that was, uh, that was a messy throw or he shouldn't have thrown it in that area. One time today where he almost got picked off by a fat man 
on a screen, and that was the only thing that he did today where I thought, eh, Sounds that, like a was song. A, that was a little, yes. Fat man on a screen. Uh, Johnny Cash had yes, that one, exactly. actually. Uh, that's yeah. that's what you're Picked thinking of. off by a fat man. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that, that's been, it's been so many things. It's been the deep ball. It's been the decision-making. It's been the short pass execution. There's a third down pass to Matt Asiata where it's got to be exactly right so he can catch it in full speed to get the first down. And a couple of weeks in a row, he's been able to execute that. And that's part of the Cordell Patterson conversation, too, mm-hmm. that I think he is in part succeeding because Bradford can get the ball to him so quickly from the snap because of his arm strength and accuracy. More numbers from our stats and info people here. In the NFL's modern era, in other words, since 1933, there have only been two teams to start 5-0 and with zero interceptions thrown. The 1969 Los Angeles Rams and your 2016 Minnesota Vikings. A great Rams team. Everyone remembers those. Yeah, I Rams. don't remember that Rams team at I remember all. Remember the Jets. In and fact, I think the 69. Vikings probably. The Vikings went to the Super Bowl that year. I, I don't know if they beat the Rams in the playoffs that year or not, but I, I'm sure the Rams were a playoff team based on some of the teams they had back then. But take that for what it's worth. Sports Grinch. All right, you have a lot to it's, get to in this sports podcast, time. and I'm I'm no, handing you it's sports Grinch time the microphone. And I have a question for two guys who cover this team on a daily basis, and it's a serious question. But this podcast, there's plenty of places in this town to go for purple colored glasses, blah blah blah, rah 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 talk. But here's a serious question for you guys. We're Mackie and Judd, and we approve this message. Aren't you tired of the same old sports talk you've heard for years? The same cliches, the same opinions, the same voices? Paul Allen has been with the fan for about 20 years. Dan Barrero and Dan Cole, even longer. It's time for their 15 minutes of fame to be done. It's time for some fresh faces in Minnesota Sports Talk Radio. 1500 ESPN is where you can find those fresh faces, young, vibrant personalities, guys like Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad, and don't forget our afternoon lineup featuring Joe Souchere and Patrick Royce. Sure, they've been doing radio for decades, but given our ratings, you probably had no idea. Let's set some term limits on our hot takes. Let's make Minnesota sports talk great again. Andy Carlson here for the Purple for the Win podcast, dedicated to the pain and pleasure that is the Minnesota Vikings and baby. 1500 ESPN has seen it fit to bring us into the sphere this year, so we'll be doing three shows a week, talking Vikings, have a car wash of fantastic guests, talk at length about the backup tight end situation, and remember, everyone's middle name is Jerome. It's going to be a lot of fun, or terrible. It'll be one of the two. Get it on the 1500 and Podcast One app or on iTunes or at purpleftw.com. Let's go. It's the bye week. What do you do at left tackle? What do you do? You trust the Clemmings, who, by the way, struggled at right tackle and now is being asked to make a very tough adjustment for the first time to the left side. Do you trust that he's going to come around or do you start to look long and hard at doing the one thing that you have to do, which is you have to keep Sam Bradford upright. Well, Chris Mortensen is reporting this afternoon that the Vikings could be among the teams to take a look at Jake Long uh, during the bye week. Long, of course, has a history with Tony Sperano and uh, could be, I I suppose, at least worth a look. I mean, what he has left at this point, I guess we'll have to see. But uh, that could be an option for them as they go into the bye week. And it's certainly worth remembering that T.J. Clemmings was not a guy the Vikings planned on being their left tackle, was not a guy they planned on being their right tackle going into the season. They made a lot of effort to not have to count on T.J. Clemmings during the season to the point where I, a couple of people I talked to 
down at the Senior Bowl, you know, a couple of people with the Vikings said, you know, nice kid, he's working hard, but I, I hope we're not in a position where it's all on his shoulders next year. They they clearly wanted to see him uh, not bear that much of the load and, and have a little more time probably to develop. And now that we're here, you do wonder if they're going to try to look for a few different options. But, uh, yeah, that is, that's an issue. I, I think, I mean, it's been an issue for a while. And, and uh, if you lose Sam Bradford at this point, uh, it's, you, your, your prospects change awfully quickly. Bradford took – too too many hard hard hits today. I mean, you Whitney can, merciless. Yeah, yeah, that it was, was a merciless. pop. And oh, and I thought sorry. at that point Grown. that maybe we were going to see Sean Hill because Cut that out he got post production. He got hit. Uh, what's that? Oh, I just made a really bad dad joke. Oh, okay. The well, only dad on this podcast made a really bad dad <laughs> yeah. joke. Well, I'm guessing that you're going to regret it. Oh, don't so, don't oh, encourage no, collar. No, don't no, encourage no. collar. Or we're going to have to do a lot of work. On this podcast, when it <laughs> comes he, to the if Wetmore's not passed out, room. we'll have to from his marathon this morning. We'll have to wake him up and tell him he needs to do a little bit of editing. He needs to edit that out, just like we took out half of his John Gruden from last I, week. I wish they would have left more of that in. I, I, yes, I stretched him too long. I was trying to see how at what point I could break him, but the I, stuff, the uh, the asides about how the impression of John Gruden sounded a lot like Derek Wetmore, I, I thought was. I was, uh, I hope that there was someone who thought comedy. it was actually John Gruden. Uh, anyway, I back say to the, you. Hope there was someone who thought it was funny. There yeah. was someone who thought it was funny. It was the guy that was asking all the questions. <laughs> <You did. laughs> back, anyway, back the guys to, who died. Back, back, back to I'm trying to derail this thing like we used to do with Kramer. Yeah, I know. T.J. Clemmings, though, a liability. Just a liability. I mean, he got worked by Olivier Vernon time after time against the Giants, and they survived it. And today, Whitney Merciless. And others, a whole crew. I mean, Jadavion Clowney a couple of times had him for lunch, and it wasn't just in the pass protection either. I mean, there was a run play where Jarek McKinnon would have had a big hole, and Jadavion Clowney essentially threw Clemmings aside. They need to be on the phone with anybody and everybody who could possibly get them a tackle, whether it's a free agent that's still out there, like Long, or it's anybody else who has decided their season is over and might have a chance to trade a backup. I'm not even talking a starter. I'm talking that there must be somebody out there whose backup is sitting there like, well, you know, this guy might be able to come in and be even below average is okay. Pro Football Focus before this week had Clemmings as dead last, and I'm guessing he ain't going anywhere after the way he played today. Probably not. What do you think about this? If you don't, if you don't uh, sign someone or make a trade, what do you think about the option of perhaps um, switching your tackles? Putting Searles at left tackle? Yeah. He's played there before, I, I think. I mean, Searles looks like he holds up. I mean, Clem- Clemmings today at times looked completely lost. It wasn't just, oh, man, that's too bad. It's, oh, my gosh, that guy just walked right past him. You need somebody who can deal with the speed rushers over yes. there. And for as athletic as I think he is and uh, certainly could be, his technique, for whatever reason, just doesn't hold up over there. I mean, there's there's too many times where he's just getting turnstiled and, and isn't in the right spot. The idea of moving Alex Boone potentially out to tackle, do we like that? Don't love it, but he has played there before, and he's got the size. I mean, then, then I guess I mean, the one thing that works up with that, I think, is that you have more options at guard than you do at tackle. Sure you do, yeah. I mean, and you know, there's probably other guys that you can go out there and take a look at, but I mean, of the guys in-house, they do have more options with Nick Easton, Zach Karen, guys like that that you could maybe plug in and move, move Alex Boone out there, but that's um, probably among the, the better of the bad options, I guess. And now you have, gentlemen, on, on the offensive line, you have one player 
Joe Berger is the only opening day starter to play all snaps. You've lost at times your well, you you've lost your left tackle for the season, your starter there. Your left guard has gone out and come back. Your right guard, I think, had played all the snaps until the first quarter today when Fusco suffered a concussion, and your right tackle's gone. So besides that, it's been perfect. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what's so impressive to me is that this team continues to win in the face of m- massive personnel uh, guys going out with the offense. I thought they also showed just enough running game today to help them out in the passing game. It wasn't super effective, and this might be another situation where the yards per carry don't exactly tell the story because Jarek McKinnon was getting a few yards here and there, and then as the game goes on and you're trying to run clock, you end up with two yards a carry, but really, I mean... The other team is just ready for you to run and just try to wind it down. But I thought it was just enough. It wasn't spectacular, but all they really need to run that offense still through Sam Bradford's passing game. Yeah, I mean, they got enough. They got up by enough that they were going to be running the ball, and, and the Texans certainly knew that. So that part of things probably isn't as big of a concern as, as the numbers might suggest it is. The question I have for you, Sports Grinch, there, there's a lot of there were a lot of things that happened. I'm trying in this to be game. really positive right now. I the know team's you are. Five and zero. Oh, okay? I'm not saying I'm that to you. I'm not I mentioned the kicker once on grinchy. this program. I don't need you to be Grinchy necessarily, but that's just kind of what I call you as a term of endearment on this podcast. When I do appreciate that you have your your issues, and and then there's a game like this, which so perfectly played into confirming all of the the pet sports grinch theories so once again i I would like to uh give you the floor with the way this offense is playing right now do you keep it going as is or do you make alterations by way of bringing certain people back that might be one of those people yes I'm going to bring Adrian Peterson back um, for the last game or last two games. The problem with this Vikings offense, going back to the opening game a year ago in San Francisco, was what? Identity issues, right? Yes. Do we serve the quarterback? Do we serve the running back? What do we do? They mixed it. They thought that they could get by with serving them both. That was a huge tactical error that was corrected in week two. Adrian went on to have a very nice year. That being said, you have now gone out and traded for a quarterback. That quarterback is comfortable in shotgun. That quarterback is a veteran, and he's playing extremely well. To reintroduce Peterson then late in the year to me would be a massive mistake, and if it happens, I'm saying the only place that direction would come from would be the very top of the organization because there's no way the coaching staff would say, you know, it's been great so far, but here's what we need to do. Make sure two eights involved. Uh, so there is... If I th- if this is played smart, Peterson is shut down for the rest of the year, and I believe that if if you look at the cap situation and salaries, you say Adrian, it's been fantastic, it's been great. You are going to the Hall of Fame someday, and someday your number will hang, will hang from US Bank Stadium. But your time as a Viking's done. And it's harsh, I, but that's how I go. Well, I think what you said there about the shotgun is an important factor. I mean, Jarek McKinnon can be dangerous. I don't think we've seen the full breadth of his dangerousness out of the backfield as a wide receiver. I think there's he has still, not gone full danger. He has not. No, he has not reached high level danger yet. So he's They're slow cooking it. 
he is still in the yellow right now, but he can push to the floor and take it to uh, red, and someone can play uh, Highway to the Danger Zone song there from Top Gun. Anyway, See, now What's wrong you get that? on me for my dad joke. Not <laughs> only, he doubles down on the dad joke, and he's dropping Top Gun references. Uh-huh. I work with a little short guy who's 30 years old, I believe, and yeah. drops 80s references all the time. <laughs> I had to grow up with that crap, okay? <laughs> I, I try and ignore it. You kids that are fascinated by the 80s and MTV, I was there. It wasn't that great. I was not fascinated by the 80s. Okay. I think the 80s are incredibly well, overrated. Good for you, but anytime those 80s pop culture references get dropped, I just try and roll with them and ignore them. That's it. So, Jarek McKinnon... <laughs> Out of the backfield this has the not been utilized. Has not been utilized as much as they probably even could utilize him, and I think that will be as other teams start to adapt to Cordero Patterson and the weapon he's becoming. And when Stefan Diggs comes back, and, and, and today Kyle Rudolph, we didn't see much of him. They didn't need to go to him over and over again like they have in other games, but. It's every game it's going to be different in how in which one of these weapons you use and someday it's going to be McKinnon in the passing game and if you go back to Peterson with your fullback there and lined up in the I form I'm not sure that that is doing enough for your quarterback who clearly succeeds when throwing out of the shotgun and can use his wide receiving running back there too the thing I will say to the Peterson conversation is it made all the sense in the world after 2014 for them to say you know what we found something that works with Teddy Bridgewater. We've got this young quarterback that we need to build around. Let's just move on. Let's let's see if we can trade him and take the first-round pick. And they decided, no, he's going to come back and have a huge year when he's returning, and we want to bring him back and see if it can work with Bridgewater. He did have a big year, but the compatibility with Bridgewater was never there, and I, I don't know that you would assume that it's going to be there with Bradford. But in spite of all that – yep. They keep bringing him back, and I do think that tells you organizationally what they still think he is capable of doing and what they are willing to do to keep him but here. Why do you think that? Why do I think they're, like we they're, keep they, getting, that they yeah, do that? We keep getting firsthand examples of move on. It's on film. I mean, yeah. you sit down and watch the games and say, okay, here is a logical case for the Vikings to move on from Peterson. Why do you think, Ben, that they keep going back to the well of, but it's Adrian? I don't get that. Well, yeah. I, He's 31 I think now. that's a fair criticism. And I think they would say that what he did last year shows that there's still a lot left in that tank. I, I think as a runner, there probably still is. And now I'm saying that with the the realization that him coming back from that knee injury is still a big unknown. And we don't know what that's going to look like. I think they still feel like there's enough left in that tank to roll the dice. And I, I suppose on some level it's, well, we went through all this stuff, so we might as well get the payoff. But you probably did. I mean, you probably got the payoff last year, and you've gone in a little bit different direction now, and that's fine. Yep. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that there's a rational reason for it. The sense I get is that they still have that attachment to him, and there's a chance he'll be around. I, I just, I mean, whether you want to explain that, from a from a logical perspective in terms of how he fits with the offense, that's harder to do right now. But I still think, in spite of all that, we've seen this before, that when it makes sense for them to say, okay, it's it's time to move on, he's getting older, the cap hit is big, they continue to, to bring him back, and, and I guess I would not be completely shocked if they did it again. Whether that's the right thing to do or not is is a different issue, but I, I just I, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if he if he's here. 
if they bring him back this season, they're going to feel like they have to run the offense through him again. Yes, they are. And that, that's the po- exactly the that point. would be the yes. problem, which that, is why it's a mistake. Right. That would be majorly detrimental to the success of the offense, which I think past. OK, Sean Hill's game wasn't supposed so spectacular. The game against the, the Packers was you know pretty decent from Sam Bradford past that. I think they have a dangerous offense and a good one. They're not going to put up huge numbers like the Giants have or like New Orleans has. Teams that run up to the line of scrimmage, run a ton of plays, they give up a lot of points, they score a lot of points. They are not one of those offenses. You look at the time of possession over these last two weeks. 37 and a half minutes. 37 minutes and 35 last week. What they're doing is taking their time, being the quote, we talked about cliches on the video, methodical and things like that. And I think they want to keep that type of offense where you're having Sam Bradford move the ball through the air. You're taking a lot of time. You're even utilizing your running game and things like that. And you're not having to focus on one player. I mean, he, uh, one of you said it. What did he use? Seven guys today in the yeah. passing game? Yeah, this is, yeah. it's, it's a selfless offense right now. And you'd be bringing back a player that is all kind of about himself. It's a... In my opinion, it's right now a coached offense. When Adrian Peterson is on the field, the amount of coaching is very, very small, right? Because you're going to hand him the ball. You're going to pass some, but he is going to be a focal point. And everyone in the stands and on the sideline and on the opposing sideline, everyone knows what's coming. When Adrian Peterson's not playing, what happens? You have Bradford Run an offense that you could throw to your tight ends, you can throw to your, your wideouts, you could throw to your running backs. You all of a sudden have an offense, Matthew, that can be coached. And that's the difference. And look, it's 2016. This is a league in which the passing game is of paramount importance. Mm-hmm. The league wants it to be. The rules are skewed towards it. And so if you have a passing game that works, odds are you're going to be successful. If you feel like you're beholden to a running back who, by the way, does not block well, it does not catch well, he does one thing well, then you have an offense that becomes much less coachable and very, very predictable. If Peterson's 27, that's one story. He's 31. That's, he's not a kid. That makes it tougher and tougher for him to be successful. It eliminates a lot of the creativity that they have. 100%. I saw on the broadcast they showed a little graphic. What can the Vikings keep doing to keep uh, smacking down Houston? And it said, continue offensive creativity. That is not something that has been talked about very often here in Minnesota during the North Turner era of creativity. And now we're seeing all sorts of it to get everybody involved and to use all of the weapons to their best. And that is something that with Peterson, I think, gets taken away a lot of that forcing the ball to him and trying to, quote, establish the run. The other thing about Peterson is you notice that the Vikings are making a lot out of drives. They're not having to punt a lot, or if they do, they're getting yards first. With Peterson, Mm -hmm. he was such a boomer bust runner that you try to run him twice, minus two, one yard, and then he'll get a 60-yard run, and his yards per carry is great, but so much of it came from one run that you ended up having to punt two or three times because you were trying to give it to him looking for that big run. And, and you they felt that you had to give him the right. ball as opposed to saying, okay, we'll include you here and there. But their problem was when he didn't get the carries he expected, what happened? 
he got upset. Yeah. And and because they had gone to such great lengths in that offseason to convince him he was loved and to come back, I think Zimmer and Spielman felt beholden to him, which created all sorts of problems. And it's very hard to sit there on Tuesday and game plan when the game plan basically is, okay, the starting point is if 28 doesn't get enough carries, 28's going to be upset with us. Right. That's not a good starting point for a game plan. Right. It's not at all. Yeah, and with Zimmer, one thing that we have talked about so much is how he's used everyone to their strengths. And you sort of made this point about Blair Walsh. Like, don't be a hypocrite and not hold the kicker accountable just because he has a contract. If he's missing kicks, then you need to you know, put the pressure on him too. And don't be a hypocrite here either and use everybody on the defensive side to all their best strengths and use Cordero Patterson to his best strength. Right. And, and Jarek McKinnon and Matt Asiata had a great game today. I mean, that's another guy being used his strength at the goal line yes. in, in certain passing he does situations. does that job incredibly well. Right. So you're using all these guys like these, you know, chess pieces and, and to all their strengths. And then you're going to go back and take strength away from your offense to focus on one person. I just can't see it happening. No, no. I think you, I think you tell them one, one, we don't want you to come back and, and too quickly and get hurt again. And two, I think you basically say you've been fantastic for us. We love you. We, the 28 will go in the rafters at us bank stadium, but all of that being said, we have to move on. And, and by the way, keep in mind too, Bradford's contract is now going to replace Peterson's contract. If you keep all these guys, you're putting yourself in a precarious position salary cap-wise, and, and the Vikings have been very good at, at having flexibility there. Uh, Bridgewater's option, my guess, gets picked up as well. And so you are going to have to say, all right, if we're going to jettison one big contract, it is for sure going to be Adrian Peterson. Yeah, and you're now maybe facing that interesting situation we got back to with potentially with Sam Bradford and how – that next contract might look... If he getting, stays healthy, he's your quarterback. We are getting way down the road, but he has shown things that franchise quarterbacks can do.